So as I was thinking and praying and talking to several of y'all about where we are and what we need as followers of Jesus in the season of Advent, I began reflecting on where we are as a culture, on the amount of stress and tension and hurt that we are experiencing this last fall, really over the last year as a society. There's a lot of pain in our hearts and our lives in our country. Pain that has been a result of racism. Pain that has been a result of sexual harassment. Pain that has come as a result of violence, sex trafficking. Maybe more than I've ever experienced it in about 16 years, our country is experiencing a lot of hurt. And with that hurt, there's tension and stress. And we're having a hard time communicating all the emotions that are bubbling up within us. We're having a hard time expressing our hurt, our pain, our confusion. At the same time, we're really having a hard time seeking understanding, listening to one another, creating safe relational space for healing and transformation and good. And there was a time in our culture where there were instruments that helped us maintain honest intellectual public dialogue. Politicians, the media modeled and exampled, ex exemplified for us what it means to speak honestly and present the facts and hear one another and make informed decision. And that is broken. Those institutions that once modeled good communication and listening relationship are no longer doing that. And so maybe more than ever, certainly more than in a long time, the people of God have an opportunity to model what Jesus has done for us to one another and to even those who have been hurt by followers of Jesus and therefore have God at arm's length. And so as we think about the season of Advent, as we think about what it means for God to come near, to come among us, as we think about how God has embraced the opportunity for healing and belonging and the fullness of life for us to enjoy. What does it look like for us to help others experience that as well? We're part of the solution. We must be. It's what 
being the church is all about. Being a city on a hill. A light that cannot be hidden. Holding out the words of life for others to navigate to Jesus in the midst of their storms. So a couple weeks ago, we came to the moment where Jesus says that as his disciples, we're no longer servants, but what? Friends. Jesus says, I no longer call you servants, I call you friends, and greater love has no one than this, that he lays down his life for his friends, that she lays down her life for her friends. And what we saw is that Jesus epitomizes this friendship. He draws near to us and remains relational with us even when we're difficult. This is the heart of the incarnation. Even though we're prickly, God draws near. Even though we're obstreperous, God draws near. Even though we're recalcitrant and intractable, God draws near. While we were still sinners, Jesus humbles himself, draws near to us, lays down his life for us in order to remain relational with us. Even though we were extra grace required people. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And so as we journey through the season of Advent, we're exploring what it means to imitate Jesus, what it means not just to have Jesus as our friend, but to be friends like Jesus. Because God wants the world to know the love of Christ, and we are an integral part of that strategy. Father, Make them one as you and I are one that the world may believe that you sent me. So we're looking at the practice of gospel friendship, how we love one another as Jesus loves us by drawing near to one another and remaining relational even when it's tough. And last week, we looked at the first two skills of gospel friendship. You remember the first one? Curiosity. I'm curious. Simple words, but powerful for relationship. Curiosity expresses care and concern and makes a way for real and meaningful relationship to take place. Curiosity listens without judgment. It picks up the phone. It walks across the room. It schedules a coffee and shelves being right for the sake of remaining in relationship. And once we've drawn near with curiosity, we're ready to practice the next skill of gospel friendship. Y'all remember what that was? Appreciation. 
Yeah. Remember, research shows that when we express appreciation and we receive appreciation, the context of relationship are both happier and healthier. We've got more energy and a better outlook on life. On the other hand, when we don't feel appreciated, when we aren't expressing appreciation, both our emotions and our immune systems get depressed. It's like appreciation flips on a switch. It wakes up our relational capacity. Remember, it's like a magnet. Appreciation draws us to one another and encourages us to stick in strong, healthy ways. So curiosity and appreciation, the first two. Today we look at the next two skills of gospel friendship. The third is kindness. Kindness. Kindness is important because we have a problem with being mean. When things don't go our way. When we don't get what we want. When others don't behave in a manner that makes us feel good about ourselves. We have a proclivity towards meanness, snippy sarcasm, dismissive put-downs, passive-aggressive body language, critical words. These are all manifestations of meanness. And meanness is rooted in pride. It's an unhealthy response to feeling fear or shame. It's how we imitate the independent spirit of Lucifer by elevating ourselves above somebody else in order to get something that we think is better for us. It could be God. It could be a spouse or a sister, a boss, a brother, a classmate. We look down on them with negative thoughts. We speak to them or about them with condescending words. And we do so believing a lie that our criticism proves that we're better than them and that they should be more like us. That's a lie. I picked up a book to read during the season of Epiphany, which comes in January, but I started reading it. Because I'm only a couple chapters in, I can't officially recommend it because I don't officially recommend books that I haven't completely read. But it's called The Kindness Challenge. 30 Days to Improve Any Relationship. It's all about kindness with some scriptures mixed in. So far, it's pretty good. Um, I think my wife's really excited about this. <laughs> and I don't, I don't know if it's any good yet. I'm, I'm only a couple chapters in. But uh, if I experience the transformation that a lot of people want me to... Um, I'll let you know, and then maybe you can pick it up and uh, read it through Epiphany as well. (laughs) 
meanness is rooted in pride. Kindness is rooted in grace. In fact, the word kindness and grace uh, are used interchangeably throughout the scripture. They are so close to one another. They mean so much the same thing that depending on which translation you read, you might get grace, you might get kindness. For example, Jesus reminds us in Luke 6 and Matthew 5 that the Father is kind even when his people are ungrateful and wicked. The Apostle Paul says, God's kindness is intended to lead us to him. Peter proclaims that since we've tasted the kindness of God that comes through Christ, we should eagerly desire to be like him by ridding ourselves of all malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. 1 Peter 2. This is what Paul writes to Titus who's planting a church in Crete. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedience, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared... He saved us not just because of, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Kindness is the manifestation of the presence of Jesus in our lives. It's a fruit of of the spirit love joy peace patience kindness kindness is a supernatural orientation hallelujah a supernatural orientation of our hearts to imitate the kindness of God toward one another as new creations in Christ Meanness has gone. Kindness has come. And that means, like me, you still may have a predispensation toward meanness, but that is not who you are. You are kind. Turn to someone and just say, you are kind. That is, that is who you are in Christ. Kind is who we truly are now. And kindness is powerful. This is Rosaria Butterfield. She's a writer, a speaker, a homemaker, and former tenured professor of English at Syracuse University. And she's more widely known for her autobiography entitled The Secret Thoughts of an Unlikely Convert. An English professor's journey into the Christian faith, in which she tells about, quote, her transformation from a postmodern lesbian professor to the wife of a pastor and homeschooling mother, end quote. It's an interesting read. 
And, and in, in this book about her journey from being a committed lesbian to becoming a committed Christian, Dr. Butterfield says this. As a non-Christian, my impression of Christians was that they were poor thinkers, judgmental, scornful, and afraid of diversity. After publishing a critique of an evangelical Christian group in her local newspaper, she received a bunch of polarized responses. So many letters that she set up three boxes on her desk. A box for the hate mail, a box for the fan mail, and a box for the letters she didn't know how to categorize. One day, she says she received a two-page response from a local pastor. And she says, quote, it was a kind and inquiring letter. It had a warmth and civility to it in addition to its probing questions, end quote. And she couldn't figure out which box to put that letter in. And so it sat on her desk for seven days. And then she writes, quote, it was the kindest letter of opposition I had ever received, end quote. Its tone of kindness demonstrated to her that the writer was for her, not against her, even though he disagreed with her. And eventually, she contacts the pastor and becomes friends with him and his wife. And she says this, quote, They talked with me in a way that didn't make me feel erased. End quote. Receiving kindness was integral to her journey to Jesus. And Rosario Butterfield makes me wonder how I'm doing. Her testimony makes me wonder how much like Jesus I really am. Is my heart more inclined to elevate myself above others or to humble myself for the sake of lifting others up? Do my words cut down or build up? Does my body language bless or break? Do I create relational space in my life to be kind to people, even when they're difficult? Because I want them to draw near to Jesus and know that I am part of the way that Jesus is going to draw near to them. Kindness is an essential skill of gospel friendship. It's simple, but a significant way that we draw near to one another and remain relational even when it's difficult. It's how we make way for the Lord. And so once we have employed curiosity and appreciation and kindness, we're ready for the final skill of gospel friendship. Enveloping the relationship. 
I like to say enveloping because it helps me understand really what it's all about. If I want to mail something to your house, what do I do? I stick that object in an envelope, an envelope, excuse me, an envelope. (laughs) (laughs) Who knew? And what that does is it keeps whatever I'm trying to get to you safe and secure and clear so that it gets to you effectively. Envelope. Um, A couple weeks ago, Benjamin ordered an MP3 player so that he could listen to his jams while he's playing basketball. And... uh, He ordered it from Amazon.com, and so it comes in an Amazon box, and then it comes in its own little packaging, and it didn't work, so he asked me to send it back to Amazon so he could get a refund so that he could use his money to buy something that worked, but we threw away the packaging box, but not the little plastic box that it came in. And so I couldn't find a box, and I said, how how am I going to get this safely back to Amazon? So I went to the closet, I got some duct tape. And I just duct taped the snot out of that little box. I mean, just wrapped it, wrapped it, wrapped it, put the label, uh, return label on top of it, set it outside. And about four days later, I got an email from Amazon saying, we received the return and we've credited your account. Gotta love duct tape. The same thing is true in our relationships. When we're sharing matters of the heart, when we're talking about the pain, the hurt, the disappointment in our lives as a result of stresses and tensions and anxieties and fear and shame that we've experienced. We can only have an honest conversation about something difficult when we feel safe with one another. We have to put ourselves uh, and our relationship in an envelope before, during, and after discussing the issue or the problem. We've got to duct tape our relationships. And really, there's three steps to enveloping, enveloping a conversation. Start with the history and importance of the relationship. Discuss the problem, not the person. And reassure the relationship by trusting that it'll be stronger for having worked through the problem together. LaMarcus Aldridge wasn't living up to expectations. And last summer, after a very disappointing loss in the Western Conference Finals, alas, he was even called out by Coach Pop as being too timid. A one-time superstar was stuck. He was frustrated, and his team was suffering. It got so bad, rumors started flying around that Aldridge was going to be traded. Remember that? But now, Pop and Aldridge are on the same page. Their relationship changed for the better. Aldridge is having an incredible season, and the Spurs are winning even without much help from Kawhi. How did that happen? It was due to a heart-to-heart conversation at the end 
of last summer. Popovich says this, we broke bread a few times, talked about it, laughed about it, discussed what we thought needed to happen, and frankly, 95% of it fell on me because I made an error in trying to change him too much, end quote. Pop wanted Aldridge to play differently than he did when he was in Portland. He wanted Aldridge to be someone other than who God created and redeemed him to be. He wanted him outside of his strengths, outside of his gifts. And Pop says this, quote, I tried to turn him into Jack Sigma. Told him I was going to teach you how to play on the elbow, go on the wing, face up. And it was confusing for him. I tried to change him. I tried to make him a different player. It really didn't fit his style of play, and I was guilty of overcoaching him in a sense, end quote. Then something changed. Something really good happened. Coach Pop says it this way, quote, we came to an agreement on what had to happen. Well, on defense, I told him, I'm going to get on you like I do everyone else. But on offense, I don't even want to talk to you. When they double you, kick it. Other than that, you be LaMarcus Aldridge. And Pop goes on to say, you receive the results right now. He's happy, confident, and kicking everybody's butt. End quote. Not many coaches and players would have repaired a soured relationship after so much time had gone by. But Pop... And LMA did. Aldridge says this, quote, I didn't know what would happen after last season. But after that talk and how well Pop took it, I thought things would get better, and they have. I told him how I felt. I knew he would listen, and he did. How, am I, how I am now is how I thought it would be in the first couple of years. I'm a different player than anyone they've had in the past. I understand it takes time to mesh me into their system, but I feel like we've kind of learned from each other. End quote. I think the thing that really stands out to me in that story is this. We broke bread a few times talked about it, laughed about it, and discussed what we thought needed to happen. Pop enveloped the relationship. We can only have an honest conversation about something difficult when we feel safe with another person. That's what Pop did. He created a safe environment for he and Aldridge to focus on their relationship and work through the problem together and come up with a lasting solution that benefited everybody. Pop kept the relationship bigger than the problem. With a growing self-awareness, a willingness to admit his mistake, pursue humble collaboration, seek understanding, and adapt for the sake of the bigger picture, pop, duct taped LaMarcus Aldridge to the Spurs instead of trading him. Y'all, that is so important. We don't trade each other. We create an environment where we 
stick together. Where we use spiritual duct tape for the sake of a safe, secure bond that lasts and grows and benefits people even beyond ourselves. So enveloping the relationship starts with celebrating the history and sharing the importance of relationship. And then it discusses the problem, not the person. Early on in marriage, Amanda and I took a course called the marriage course. And Nikki and Silla have been really helpful to Amanda and I's marriage. And one of the things that they teach in the marriage course is when you've got a difficulty between you, don't square up and talk about each other. Sit sideways and take an object, an REI Nalgene water bottle, or a salt and pepper shaker, or a napkin, or your car keys, and put it out in front of you. And shoulder to shoulder, don't talk about the person because the person isn't the problem. Talk about the problem because the problem's the problem. When you're squared up, it's too easy to confuse the problem with the person. The person isn't the problem. The problem's the problem. Go shoulder to shoulder and look at the problem and watch what it does to the conversation. Celebrating the relationship talking about the problem, not the person, and finally, reassuring the relationship by expressing gratitude, by expressing a sense of trust and confidence that the relationship is going to be stronger for having worked through the problem together. That's the goal of the conversation. It's not simply about solving the problem. It's about strengthening the relationship. The problem's just the excuse to do so. So when we celebrate and affirm the importance of the relationship, discuss the problem, not the person, and strengthen the relationship in the process, we are enveloping the relationship. And what we experience is we experience what I call being emotionally held. Emotionally held. And that sense of feeling emotionally held is the feeling of safety and security that God created us to enjoy with him and with each other, and it's possible in Jesus. So curiosity that leads to appreciation responds with kindness and envelops the relationship, making it safe and secure no matter what, welcomes the presence of the Lord. It's how we draw near to one another in gospel friendship, imitating Jesus, remaining relational, even when it seems impossible. And as we practice these four skills together, curiosity, appreciation, kindness, and enveloping the relationship, cake, cake, huh, cake? Yeah, it just happened. (laughs) 
When we practice the skills of gospel friendship, curiosity, appreciation, kindness, and enveloping the relationship, when we do that together in our home, as friends, as the people of Jesus, we will grow in confidence and competency to do that with others. Those who need it because our culture is not modeling that for them. And unless we do, who will? Church, we can. We're called, commissioned, and empowered to do so. Jesus no longer calls us servants. He calls us friends. And as we grow in our understanding and appreciation of the kindness of God in Christ and the friend that we have in him, it is so much fun to be that kind of friend to others. And our neighbors, our classmates, our, our coworkers, people that are hurt and lashing out on Facebook, they need us to bring Jesus to them in a very real and palpable way. So here's, here's four just practical exercises as we journey toward Christmas and through the end of the year. Because, hey, the tension and the stress, it's not going down in the next couple weeks. It's, it's going up, right? In-laws are coming, right? Siblings are going to be there, right? Yeah. So how, how, how do we become people of peace? How do we, we become friends like Christ? Try this. One, use curiosity and write down how it impacts the relational connection. Express curiosity. Remember how many questions Jesus asked in his earthly ministry? Anyone? 307. Paul Franklin, note taker. Second, Take time to share appreciation with someone every day for one week and then tell them what they did that you appreciate so much about them. Share appreciation and tell them why. Third, identify someone, that person that God's probably put on your heart this morning, whom you have a strained relationship with. And practice kindness toward them for one week. Now, here's the thing. We don't have the bumper sticker that says, practice random acts of kindness. That's not us. That's the world. We practice intentional acts of kindness with the love of Jesus for the sake of Jesus. Our kindness isn't random. It's completely intentional and motivated by the Spirit of God that brings the love of Jesus to people. So practice intentional acts of radical loving kindness in Jesus' name. And fourth, the next time you find yourself needing to confront someone about a problem, envelop the relationship. Celebrate it. Talk about the problem, not the person. And grow together as a result. Gospel friendship as a gospel community is how God's calling us Stand up, stand out, and help people heal and stick to the Lord and to one another. Let's pray.
Father, we thank you that even when we were extra grace required people, you came after us. And all of our prickliness, obstreperousness, rebellion, pride could not keep you away. Thank you that your love is bigger. Your love is stronger. Your love is greater. And in Jesus, you came. You drew near to restore, to protect, to preserve, to redeem the relationship. Lord, as we come to you this morning through the bread and the wine, remind us who you are and who we are because of you and your presence in our lives. And fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit that we can be a friend to others like you're a friend of us. Help us to lay down our lives. Help us to practice curiosity and appreciation and kindness and relationships that stick so that others will know you and grow in you with us. For your glory, we pray, Jesus, in your name. Amen.